Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have an amazing artist. Uh, she comes highly recommended. Um, and from one of our my, our previous guests, um, Ken Follin, um, he said this is an, she's an amazing artist. Can you please interview her? I said, absolutely. Her name is Kate Taylor. She is from the Ukraine. She's an artist. Um, and I welcome her to the show today. Kate, welcome. Thank you for having me on your excellent, amazing podcast. I'm very um, honored to be uh, on your podcast and uh, thank you for the kind words. Um, perhaps I should uh, explain why Ukrainian a Ukrainian artist has a name that uh, is <laughs> hardly can be called, can hardly be called Ukrainian. Uh, my full name is uh, Katerina. Uh, um, so I use Kate because I studied in in the U.S. Uh, and at uh, that time it was easier for me to call myself Kate, just half of my name Kate. So that's how it stuck. <laughs> so it's Katerina. Kate is the first half of my name. And then um, much later I got married to a British person, to an Englishman whose name, whose last name's Taylor. And that's that's how I became Kate Taylor. <laughs> but yes, I am Ukrainian. I'm a Ukrainian woman um, who um, came to Ireland to hide from war with uh, my six-year-old son. Um, yeah, I, I am an artist. Um, my other profession, I teach um, IT professionals. I teach English IT professionals since 2010. Um, so I'd say IT world is not exactly an enigma for me, uh, but I'm a passionate artist. And uh, at this hard time of war, I am trying to help my compatriots and perhaps the world as well, as much as I can to help understand what's going on and uh, help myself survive this because, um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm traumatized, time will tell, but um, it's it's a tough period of time that uh, we have to survive and we all have to survive. I, I do think that even those who host us, Ukrainian women and children, they are also going through this challenge with us. And um, art has always been a channel. It's, uh, it's a way to resuscitate a soul resurrect and uh, it's also history that will always stay with us uh, i paint my memories i um, have um, done a number of sketches to um, help me memorize uh, what's happened um on the very first uh, night when i first heard the sounds of the siren um, and uh, some might say that why why do you want to remember these things why would you not let it go and uh, um, you know forget it 
Well, first of all, it's hard to forget when the war is still going on and I'm losing my friends. Um, and another thing is that I don't want history to repeat. What we're going through as the world is um, it's, it's a repetition of history. We've been there. And I'd say I'm not a historian, I'm not an expert on history, especially military history, but just happens so you have to learn a lot fast in order to survive, in order to understand what's going on. And it feels that Ukraine at a certain period of time when the active phase of the war started on the 24th, we were like England in 1941. I understand we have alliances, we have people on our side, but um, it is possible that the world didn't believe that we were strong enough as a nation to um, defend our country. That's why the weapon was not provided to us as fast as we needed it. And I often said, and I hope um, people who are hosting us will forgive me saying it so harshly, that I wouldn't have been here uh, or I wouldn't be here had the um, weapon been provided to my men, to Ukrainian uh, men and women who are defending us right now, because we are fierce. You know, we were just fear, fearless. We we want to we want to have our home back. And um, like I said many times, the war is not of today's. It uh, started eight years ago. Some say three hundred years ago. And it's about dignity. It's about democracy. It's about passion, wanting to live, live in peace and make the evil leave us and let us blossom and develop the way we, we are. We are a very peaceful nation. So as an artist, I, I, it helps me to channel that the, the emotions that are very hard to express with words. Um, I lack literary talent, so perhaps this is something that allows me to survive and uh, channel and uh, direct, perhaps direct the attention of what's going on in a different way through my paintings. Um, awesome. My, my, yes. So, um, that's awesome. So I have a question for you. You said caught my attention right away. You have you have a you have a war night story, right? Uh where you are and where you ended up and and I, I wanted to find out what that is. Um yes, thank you for reminding me. My 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 thoughts are um are a bit I'm a bit confused now speaking. Uh, there are so many things I want to speak of and at the same time I understand that I am rambling a little. Thank you for guiding my, my thoughts. Um, no problem, you're yes, fine. Th this experience uh, of mine, now that I think of it as, as of now, I don't think uh, I should refer to my experience as the horrid or the most uh, horrifying experience, because compared to what people, other people, other my compatriots went through, women, children, elderly, our defenders, it's, I, I didn't go through much as much as they did. I woke up on the 24th from 
explosions. I fell asleep with uh, a military journalist I've been following. I had been following, I have been following, saying uh, Putin will be completely crazy if he invaded uh, Ukraine. And these were the last words I remember before I fell asleep. So I woke up with the sound of explosion, which you don't really hear with your ears. It was more like something explode, explodes inside you. So that's how uh, strong the blast was. And uh, you don't really understand where it's coming from. I live, uh, or rather lived, um, in the city center of Kyiv. That's the capital of Ukraine, very heart of uh, Ukraine. And um, I could not believe that uh, Kyiv was shelled, that Kyiv was bombarded. I had to do the reality check. First, I grabbed my phone to see if uh, my friends heard the same, because I tried to convince myself that no, it's it's not it's not happening. It's something that I'm imagining, because we were all um, in the state psychological state, aggravated state of anticipation of the war, and Ukrainians started even joking at some point, saying like, "Give us the bloody calendar. Let us know when the invasion happens finally, because we want to plan our holidays, etc." Which actually is true. I wanted to celebrate my birthday, which is a uh, on on the twenty second of February. So it was a palindrome, and um, I was planning some sort of party to um, just celebrate this unusual date. But I decided not to, and instead I asked all my friends to donate to the army because we were we, we knew it was coming it was inevitable we just couldn't understand realize to, to which degree it uh, it was um and the horror was probably not for me but um as a mom i'm i'm worried for my son and for his um, safety for his health so um on that very night i uh, already packed uh, previously to that i packed uh, a suitcase with lots of medicine for my mom and my son and some essentials to get ready to evacuate them from Kyiv. Uh, but I wasn't prepared to go myself. I was just planning to drive them as far to the west of Ukraine as possible to just, you know, just to take them to safety, to survive um, the worst and um, come back immediately myself to help uh, with whatever I could help. I did um, um, medicine, uh, CPR, you know, uh, I, I was preparing in that way. As a civilian, I wanted to be of help like everybody else. And uh, my mom, the very last moment, uh, well, first of all, she she also couldn't believe it was happening, even though the blasts were so loud and the, the, the walls were shaking. But um, we, we still refused to believe it was happening. And there was no siren. That's that's quite interesting that you would expect that the siren would go on, right? Could go off because it's the it's the emergency situation. Since it was really, really, really early, it was really dark, felt like night, uh, February, uh, as you can imagine, and there was no siren. I only saw cars that were, um, um, lo lonely cars, not, not, like, not like traffic or anything, just, one or two quickly going um, in in northern direction, which is probably to uh, get to safety um, through the north of Kyiv, and um, and so basically we we were kind of ready for this, but we weren't. 
um, my, my mom uh, refused to go the very last moment. She, we had it as a plan. I asked her to go with my son to safety, but she said that um, your son, my grandson needs mom more than grandmother. And she just, I couldn't physically lift her up and uh, make her leave. That just broke my heart. Um, well, we, we um, tried to go to bomb shelters because at that point when uh, we realized that the war has started, it was a bit too late to go to, to the West. The traffic was horrific. People were trying to leave Kiev as soon as possible. So um, the siren went off, by the way, at that point, and I thought it would be um, really it would have been really stupid to be stuck in traffic as the bombardment was happening and uh, you you probably at that point were were too late to leave so you needed to hide in a bomb shelter and so we went uh, to investigate downstairs to investigate on the bomb shelters that uh, were all locked they were all locked and uh, as you can imagine maintenance people who got stuck uh, and they wouldn't probably be able to get back into Kyiv. They don't live in the city center, they live in the suburbs, so they never managed to come to Kyiv at, at night to, with the keys to open them up. So people were cutting the thick um, uh, metal locks, chains, that uh, to just to just get to safety there was no panic i must tell you there was there was it was all very we we're we are a nation i would even dare to say that we are not uh, people who are um afraid even if bombs are falling on our heads we're very composed we're caring there was no panic in the shops. Uh, there were people were queuing patiently to get the cash out. So it was all very organized. Just the same way it was during Maidan Revolution of Dignity in 2013, 14, which I actively participated in. So for me, I wasn't very much surprised at our nation's reactions to people who were helping each other. Rather, we, we were all, uh, I, don't get me wrong, we were all kind of, annoyed with the situation that we were woken up so early and we had to be queuing and a lot of people were not prepared for the worst case scenario but at the same time we were trying to help each other so uh, people cooperated by helping open uh, bomb shelters and uh, once we got downstairs to the bomb shelter i realized that this is really bad for children for those who have uh respiratory diseases etc etc um it's it's not a place to be for a long time and um on top of that my son got really really sick that week and we were supposed to go even see a doctor because he was feverish he he felt really bad so i hesitated whether to take him out of kiev for that reason as well and i didn't want to leave my mom so all that that I have just described, uh, it took hours, and so it was hesitation. Um, I have uh, a good friend of mine from the time when, um, after Maidan, um, after the Revolution of Dignity in 2015, uh, he came as an instructor, as a, as a 
military expert to help us, uh, our military guys, uh, to um, to help us basically fight. And uh, since then, we we were friends, and he kept telling me that Kate, you need to take your mom and son to safety. If you don't want to go, it's your it's your responsibility boy you cannot be selfish uh, you don't realize how terrible the war might become and uh, it will be fast and you will not have enough time to react so these words literally saved my son because i had another plan to go to the suburbs of kiev where later on we found out of the atrocities so sometimes it's really interesting how other people interfere in your destiny and your child's destiny and help survive and help make the right decision. Interesting. Thank you. Um, I have some follow-ups. Um, the first one, and, and um, you know, you said, you said that you're a historian and you said revolution of dignity. And I'm in, I'm in the U.S. And our media here made it seem like Putin attacked Ukraine out of nowhere for no reason at all, just attacked it um, and didn't mention the 300 years or the eight years of preparation. You know, um, what words to the Western do you, I mean, you're in Ireland now, right? But what words to the West media do you have that, you know, should be, you know, like you said, dignity and integrity? Um, what should people know that we don't know? Um, yes, thank you for letting me know uh, because my perspective is could be different. My my view of what kind of information uh, you get uh, or overall public gets about the war. Um, let me let me say that first of all, um, Irish the Irish people and Ukrainians, as it turns out have a lot in common um, from the historical point of view. It's saying that both Ukrainians and uh, uh, the Irish people had to suffer famine. We had famine because of Stalin. It was, uh, it, it took millions and millions of lives of Ukrainian people, including uh, some of my ancestors. Um, so our family could have been much bigger. We had, uh, we had prosperous family. We we were hardworking family. But in 1933, uh, then 1937, famine happened, and it just basically ruined people's lives. And it was a genocide. I refuse to say uh, to to sorry. I refuse to believe that it is wrong to say that it was a genocide. It was genocide on a very big scale large scale um so that's just as far as i know from my grandparents right what i know not from the uh, history books but what my family went through um and uh, that resonates uh, now when i tell about the history of ukraine of my family history to my irish friends they they say that uh, ireland also had had to suffer from similar uh, ordeals and, and tragedies. <clears throat> um, so going back to the revolution of dignity, when 
we wanted to fight for democracy and we successfully fought and we won. We ousted a corrupt president Yanukovych who was pro-Russian, who was just a puppet, who was just a puppet in the hands, arms of Putin. We, if we had not won, uh, we would have ended up just like Belarus now, having Lukashenko. Uh, so it just happened. So Ukraine is uh, bordering with Russia and we're on the front front line and we pay now with our people's lives for the democracy of the rest of the Europe of the United Europe. Um, we need we need to be strong enough to survive this fight. If Ukraine fails, uh, the rest of the countries will will be next and we don't even know really in which order. These threats, that the nuclear threats, the threats to uh, invade Ukraine, to storm Kyiv and take Kyiv in two days. He, he threatens not just one country, he threatens the world. And this shouldn't happen in the, in, in the 21st century. We, luckily, we have media that is not only controlled by one government or one person, we have social media that helps a lot to spread the word, to, to, to fight um, uh, war, information war, first of all, and to help us reach out to other people who feel compassionate um, and understand what's going on without believing propaganda. Propaganda um, made a huge difference in uh, the war in the World War II, and uh, this time we have different weapon against propaganda. We have social media, we have other people who believe facts, not just uh, someone's words. And facts are very brutal, very scary, but what is happening right now in Ukraine is another genocide which must be stopped, which, which must be prevented. Um, I'm not sure if I have uh, answered your question. Sorry, I am a bit emotional right now. As you did. Yes, as as I have friends in Azov uh, regiment who are who have been uh, extracted, and uh, I I feel very worried that they are now on the territory of the enemy, and I really hope that they will not be hurt. Um, Moreover, I'm sure they will not be hurt uh, because they need them for strategic, for tactical and strategic reasons. They will be kept as um, hostages. Um, so they will be okay. I'm just a bit worried. Sorry. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you're worried. Um, it's better to be worried than not care, than be numb. You know, so worries tells me that you're human, which we all are, hopefully, you know. Um, yes. At least the good ones of us, you know. So I have a. I want to shift gears a little bit because I introduced you as an artist, and you talked about that you paint. You paint your memories, and I can tell that things impact you um, emotionally. They do with me too. All right. Uh, I, although I, I can't paint, I can write and I can interview. I, I I'm horrible drawing, um, but um, being able to access our memories is um, is a skill. It's an art, it's a talent, it's something that, you know, is important to the world. So how do you, how do you channel 
painting your memories you know how do you how do you capture what that memory is and how do you how do you you know translate it into your artwork um well um uh, i have photographic memory and it's um it's good and bad some of my memories i would love to forget these things and uh, it it is easy for me to extract a certain moment in time, especially the one that impacted me a lot. And now I'm working on a series of paintings which um, which can actually called memories. They they are my memories. They're like snapshots of my of my memories. So, for example, I wanted to depict the first sounds of the siren, the air raid siren which might sound crazy but how can you depict a siren but um <laughs> i have another <laughs> talent which is probably a disability <laughs> i have synesthesia and uh, i see sounds um so for me the sound on that night um was so distracting that it was it was hard for me to even focus on most important things. It was very annoying sound, scary sound that I would love to forget and never remember, never hear again. Um, as I was painting, I uh, I simply extracted the, the the memory and the impressions that I had. It 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 feels simple for me. I um, I don't struggle explaining. Um, what's going on inside me, what emotions I have with the uh, brush and oils or acrylic or watercolor or whatever, even uh, a simple pencil. It's much harder for me to express myself with words. So um, yeah, memories memories are easy to depict for me. It's, it's hopefully people will understand what, what my memories are about and uh, that will resonate with them as well, not only with someone who shares the same disability as I have synesthesia. I don't see it as a disability at all. Um, I see it as a talent that gives you a channel, because this month is, is, in May, is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? I don't know if you know that. Um, but, you know, being able to channel your emotions how can that help other people to do the same and to keep a positive mental state no matter what's going on in their life um i thank you for this question i um i was thinking about that as well because i kept asking myself as i was painting i was asking myself why why do other people have to see my memory what in what impact i want to make what what, what kind of what, what's the meaning of that why should i share that memory we normally take uh, selfies of us being happy of happiness of vacation of you know flowers beautiful skies and whatnot um and you know i i i think i have i might be wrong about this but i realized at some point that we get so absorbed in social media um pretending we are happy trying to send the message that everything is okay that we forget about this uh indispensable part of our life it's the fight for 
sanity, it's the fight for freedom, it's the fight for democracy, fight for the fight is going on regardless of uh, what we post on, on Facebook. Fight for uh, survival, fight for not committing suicide, fight. We, we all have, have different levels of struggle to go through. And, and for me personally, it will be really important for other people to see what it was like, what it is like for people now in Ukraine um, to understand that, that we are struggling big time, even though the weapon has been provided to us, even though we are winning at this point of time, we can say that strategically Ukraine has already won. It's just a matter of time, tactically. But these memories, they should not be forgotten. We should not forget these things. Because like I said before, history repeats. It shouldn't repeat again. And memorials should be kept, should be preserved, just like Osvensum, for example, in, in you know, the, the Nazi crimes. They, they, they were turned into museums, so people go there, they get this horrible experience of trying to imagine what massacres, what atrocities were happening there, so to not let it happen again. And for me to share my memories, my dark memories, I, I think dark art, to be honest, it's, it's, not, it's not happy. I can't really produce much of happiness at this, at this point of time, but um, it's important to share it. I don't know, maybe, maybe I will change my mind in a while, but for now, the five pieces, five memories, five snapshots of my dark memories of the war, the five days, I call them, five different days, um, they have huge importance and uh, I, I need these to be seen by other people, especially people who only hear news, only, um, um, only hear what other people have told them, not from, you know, from the source. And my final piece, the sixth uh, piece, the painting that I'm working on now, will be um, will be a happy one. <laughs> it will be all about the victory because it is coming. And uh, prior to the attack on the 24th of February, I had premonitions in 2017. I had a series of paintings that I couldn't make head or tail of. I, I, kept destroying them, I kept painting over them because they were all about the war, but I couldn't really understand why I was painting that. So now it's time to change and start painting victory. I, I'm sure we are, we are victorious and we will celebrate eventually. Evil will fail. Evil cannot win. Um, helping our people is important because, like I said, we're on the front line and we're protecting the rest of the of Europe and uh, all of the democratic world as well. These kind of threats, nuclear threats, cannot go unpunished. They they have to stop. We we have very precious world. We have wonderful inventions ahead of us. We have fantastic lives ahead of us. And and this evil coming from Russia, it has to be stopped because we will have wonderful life. 
every single person. We will have better medicine with new technology. We will travel to space. You know, I, I have optimism. We will win. But Ukrainians now need to be very strong to protect a lot of people. Yeah, I, um, I have to challenge you on something. So you said that, you know, talking about fight for sanity and fight for freedom. And early on in the first few minutes, you said, we Ukrainians are fearless. I am fearless. And I'm going to challenge you on that. I don't hear fearless. All the people I talk to, I don't hear fearless at all. I hear instead, fearless is a, fearless is a, a you know, not acknowledging fear, right? Being courageous is acknowledging fear, accepting the fear and moving forward powerfully um, I hear courageous when I when I talk to you and I talk to all you know my my Ukrainian um, guests. Um, and I'm going to question you on this: is is do you really feel that Ukraine is not strong enough? Because I don't see it that way. I think you're really strong and courageous. What do you think? Oh yes, we. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for correcting. Um, even though I am uh, a teacher of English, but sometimes when three languages are uh, <laughs> browsing in my <laughs> in my head and I'm grabbing, trying to, to grab the right word, you you said beautiful words about courage. That that's exactly how my heart feels about um, defenders, our defenders. They're brave and courage, courageous people. Yes, courageous, courage is, is the is the word. Um, Yes, um, it is. It is absolutely right. We no, we we are strong. We are strong, and uh, don't take me wrong. Uh, on the emotional level, we are strong. Uh, physically, we are strong. We are getting stronger every day with uh, help of landlies. Once landlies, uh, it has already been approved. But we fight not only in metaphorical world, not only with our brave hearts, with our passion to get our lands back. And uh, it's also a physical, not only metaphysical world. So on a physical level, people get tired. We uh, realize that we are losing the best people of our country um, on the battlefields. So I was probably... Um, as a mother again, I when I when I look at at men who are at the battlefield, they're in their twenties. Some of them are older, but my mother's heart wants to protect them all, and I don't really know what I can do to sorry to protect them because now I feel guilty that I'm here with my son in safety in Ireland. I get the best treatment that a woman who fled the war could possibly get. But I don't know what else I can do other than send a little bit of my money to support the volunteers. And I speak to our men and they, they told me, Kate, please don't feel sorry because we can't fight when we know the civilians are there in the way. It would be in the way so you did the right thing you you took stefan to safety but remember this war is about genocide they want our people to disappear from from this earth and uh, what you can do for us is to spread the world 
tell tell your story, speak about what's happening. It's really important. They ask to to speak. Media can be sometimes twisting events, twisting um, facts. And if you speak truthfully, this is the best you can do for us and be safe. That's their words, and I'm trying to, to do what they ask. Sounds to me like you're really strong. I want to thank you for your time. This has been a wonderful conversation for me. Um, I enjoyed speaking with you. I think you're doing the right thing in spreading the word. Um, and um, I'm really looking forward to checking out some of your art. So thank you. Um, you're welcome. So um, any last, uh, any, any, any final words of encouragement, strength, hope for, um, for the people out there um, that you'd like to say uh, before we wrap it up? If I could hug every single person who thinks about Ukraine, who thinks about us, I would hug you all guys with my heart and appreciate that. I don't know if there is a word of, of appreciation that exists in the language to say how grateful I am to all the support. I do believe that sending terabytes of good thoughts in our way, the the way where 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 our defenders are to Ukraine to the battlefield, it's it's all material, you know. It's all it all matters. Your thoughts, your support, your programs about us, you're wanting to help. We will win, and we are strong not only because we are great, courageous people, but also because we have support. Uh, the world has become our family. It's unprecedented about how people go to other countries and they're welcomed there as as a family, as family members. So thank you very much for that. And uh, every every thought is a is a terabyte of love and support. So thank you for that. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.